Do you know in, the, in this church, those that are here and those of you that are joining us online, there is such wealth. God is good. I'm not, just ta- I'm not talking so much about financial wealth. I'm talking about a spiritual depth, God-honoring depth. Um, and it's good to be a part of that type of a church. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to be here this morning to share some things about generosity in general. It's a topic that I don't mind talking about. I think there are some people, when we talk about money, um, like I, st- I start to see you tighten up, some, some of you. Some of you reach for your wallet, some of you look for your purses, some of you are looking for, you know, to hide those types of things. And I wish that it were not so. Because as I read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, I see God as a, as a generous God. And I see us as followers of Jesus that he desires that very same characteristic in us, that we ought to be generous. Last week we talked about how being generous makes no sense. And I pointed out uh, two of our grandkids and how, you know, what it, one of their favorite words is mine. Perhaps if you have little ones or you have grandkids, you, you've seen this in them. And I said last, last Sunday, the one, how he was playing with the toy, and I could see him out of the corner of his eyes. Those of you who were here last week, this is going to bore you. Those who haven't heard this before, this is going to be really exciting. You're going to say, yeah, I identify with that. And so the little gaffer, he's down here, and his cousin walks over, and I can see him out of the corner of his eye as he's walking over closer. The other one, this one over here, is gathering the toys in closer to him. He's got like 6,000 toys to play with, but he's going to make sure this is... And then he says, what does he say? Come on, he says, mine. How often in our lives... That is how we work through life. We've worked hard for it. We deserve it. It's mine. Being generous makes no sense. If you worked hard for it, why don't you keep it and hang on to it? Biblical principle this morning is talking about that generosity makes total sense. Being generous is a foundational principle for us as a church. God has been generous to me. And I think that if we had had opportunity this morning, passed around a microphone, and we just said, you know, how has, how has God been true and, and alive in your life, and has, has God been generous to you? You'd be able to say, well, yes, he has. I mean, I'm here today. He created me. He has sustained me all these years. He didn't have to. I owe my life to a generous God. My life has been transformed by Jesus Christ, the one for God so loved the world that he gave his son. His only son to die for us. I learned at an early age about what it meant to give. I grew up in a home that I would say was not flush with cash. I've mentioned to you before in our house growing up, even to the time that I left for college, we did not have potable water inside the house. We had water, came from a cistern, but we would bring water in by pails until I went off to college. I'll tell you one thing that I learned in a farming community I'm proud of is that what you have, you share. 
remember lots of times our dinner table was full of people, some people <laughs> we just met. People that were walking down the road, farming, uh, you know, we'd far be farming and somebody would be coming up our road. be nothing for us to have more people around the table. I learned that principle at a young age. Fortunately, also, I'm, I'm married to Julie, who has the same beliefs and foundations as I have. Over the years, we have had people who have mentored us, we, who have given us opportunities. I, I am where I am today, wherever that is, because other people were generous. Whether it was relatives or it was other people, that business people that have poured into my life and into uh, our ministry. Today we're looking at the second letter to the Christians in Corinth. It's filled with the topic of generosity. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn there with me. And we're going to talk about this important topic. We're going to see that generosity is a lifestyle, not a one-time act. It isn't just pulling out your wallet. It isn't just the, um, you know, when the, when the offering plate passes. It is this, it is this, um, thing that happens in our brain and in our lives where we say, God, you deserve all of this. Everything I have belongs to you, so you tell me how I am to spend this. Because if left up to me, I am going to say this is mine. And when that happens, I screw up. Generous people are people who possess a spirit that is a more than spirit. It is a larger-than way of living. Generous people are not stingy. It's not that they're fool-hearted and that they are, they just, the money just pours through their hands. They're strategic in how they give their money, but they recognize it's not theirs. They hold it with loose hands. They're possessions. I said just a few days after when we had service back in here after the tornado and somebody asked when, when, when uh, many places were sort of shut down, church was shut down, people needed washrooms, our house was open and, and it was unlocked so that people could use our facilities. And I said to somebody, aren't you worried? I said, no, it's not mine, it's God's anyways. Truth be known, you guys own the house. You're just holding it for God. Generous people are not stingy. They're not tied up with themselves. Generous people are more than kind of people. And I know some of you, you have the gift of giving. You know, when you, when you have a dollar, you, you, you see a need, you just want to give to it. You have the gift of giving. New Testament meaning for generosity is open-hearted. God at his essence is open-hearted towards you and me. God is open-hearted towards us by giving us the very best. So when a person who follows God is generous, it is our way of saying we are open-hearted as well. We're not fearful that if we give, we aren't going to have enough. Perhaps if we had time again and pass the microphone around, some of you would say, you know what, in my life, I, I, there were plenty of times I gave and I didn't have anything else left. But God just 
brought the money in here. He, he just, he provided a way. He brought a bag of groceries. He, you know, whatever it was that you needed, he provided for you in that moment. I could tell you stories of that. We're not held in the grip of greed that we always have to have more. Generous people are open-hearted to God and open-handed to others. We hold the things that we have loosely. Because in the end, when we stand before God, we'll give an account for the way that we spent our money and our resources and our time. It's just one of the things that we'll do. There are three truths about generosity. First one is, is that generosity needs opportunity for expression. Generosity needs opportunity for expression. Generous people need opportunity to express open-heartedness and open-handedness. This passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 2, verse 1. I don't know, verse 1. Let's start there. Should be on the screen there for you. There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acacia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident." So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangement for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Sorry, I'm just going to pause just for a second. We mentioned about the, going back to the dinner, I know this can be a mind warp for some of you. Talking about the dinner on Saturday night, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. No one needs to feel guilty. No one's going to be twisting your arm. No one's going to make you, you know, pull out your checks, pull out your friend's check, pull out your money, your friend's money. No. It's either going to be generated in your heart or we would rather you keep your money. Really. It's either something that God does in us. No one's going to make you do anything. Just want to put your mind at ease. You don't need to feel guilty about anything. We'd like for you to be there. Okay, where was I? All right. One of the reasons why Paul wrote the second letter to the Corinthians was to follow up on this generosity initiative that he had started previously. Christians in Jerusalem were facing fierce persecution and they were struggling financially. And so Paul contacted all the Gentile churches and said, hey, we can help with this. What do you think? Why don't you, why don't you try to, to think about how we can be generous? Do you want to get in on this? And the Corinthians said, we are all in. What, when, and how? What do you want to give? When do you want to give? And how much do you want us to give? But a year has passed. The second letter has been written. Has passed between their promise and their, their pledge to give. Paul says, listen, I want to rekindle your generosity. I want you to remember the things that God has done and where it is that he's taking us. I want you to remember that you're gener- of your generous pledge. Your generous motivation and your generous intention has fired up other churches to give. It's not just about you, but now there are other churches that are online with this. Other people are getting excited about this too. But let's remember, 
You Corinthian church, you said you were going to give. I just want to encourage you. So he said, I'm, I'm going to send the brothers, like not to, not to beat them down, to remind them that they're ready to take up this collection so that they can bring it back to the brothers in Jerusalem. If you and I truly believe God's heart towards us is open-hearted and open-handed generosity, then the natural response is that we want to be generous. When you've been saved by God's generosity, you'll not help, cannot help but want to give. It just overflows inside. There's something that's inside that, that generally we want to give. Where, where, can I, where can I be generous? Where can I express my generosity? We want to maximize the stewardship and the, and the use of this building. That people from years ago chose to give so that we could have this space. And we've added on to it because we know that there's another generation that's coming behind us. This building is not just for us. It's not just for people that are from Ottawa. But it's for people that are coming from other nations around the world. That we will see a, a, a multi-ethnic group and we're seeing that among us. And it's going to be more than that. And it's going to be younger people. It's going to be people of all ages. And as you're generous, that will move the heart. And that's what he's talking about as he's encouraging the people of Corinth. Don't forget to give. The second thing. Generosity needs opportunity for expression. Generosity benefits the generous. We get something out of this when you're generous. Passage scripture, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result and thanksgiving to God. Paul points out three amazing benefits that come to those who are generous. The first one is, is that the more we give, the more God provides. The more we give, the more God provides. See, Paul is using an illustration that the people in Corinth would be familiar with. That is an agrarian, a, a farming illustration. That there are times when you need to go to the seed room where you might be using some of that grain to eat, but you've held some of that off because now you're going to use that seed to go and plant your field. Why do you do that? Because if you just eat what's there, it will be gone. But if you plant it into the field, you'll have a much greater harvest. So you need to take it and plant it and use it. Some of you know Julie's brother is in hospice. And just recently, the family was there in uh, Squamish, just outside Vancouver. And really quite something, to me, amazing happened. And has been happening over the course of this time that he's been in hospice. 
And it comes to this principle. The more we give, the more God provides. Over the course of Richard's 54 years of life, more so lately in the last 10, 20 years, he's poured into people. How do I know that to be true? Well, over the course of these last 10 days or longer, there has been a steady stream of people who have come to see him, who have written to him, and said in their little notes or in their conversations with him, their brief conversations, one note we heard yesterday, you taught me how to weld. You, you took time to do that. You, you were a Bible teacher and you, you taught me about Jesus. All of these ways are us casting our seed out and investing it in things that will live beyond us. So we had a few moments just to talk about that yesterday before we flew home and just say, you have invested your life wisely. As followers of Jesus, we're called to do that, both financially as well as our, as well as our gifts and our abilities. The more we give, the more God provides. The second thing that we learn is, is that generosity begins in the heart before it's ever released in the hand. Generosity is less about an amount. It's more about an attitude. Not so much about what you write on the check. It's about whether are you, are you giving it grudgingly? Are you holding it as it leaves your hands does somebody have to really encourage you to give? Or is it something that you just naturally want to do? Paul says in verse 7 that each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. What is the expectation that Paul has of the Corinthians? Paul's expectation that everybody, that everybody's going to give. In this campaign, Really, the idea is, is that the suggestion is, is that everybody's going to give. Not everybody's going to give the same amount. That's not the expectation. But we're all going to sacrifice something. For some of us, we, could, we can write the larger check because God has blessed us in, in different ways. Some of us are just scraping by. But we're going to give and we're going to support in one way or another. Not to give grudgingly, but to give out of a generous heart. His expectation was, and when he wrote this letter, was it was going to be for the whole church. It was going to be church-wide. And in that Corinthian church, there was the whole different strata, socioeconomic classes, just like we would have in our church today. Paul would never say that you all need to give the same amount for the same sacrifice. You need to give out of your heart. So what are some of the probing questions we should ask about when it comes to generosity? How is your heart? Probing questions. Do I believe that everything I have right now comes from God? Do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that in your heart? 
Do I believe that everything I have right now comes from God? Do I believe that in my heart or do I believe I have earned it? Do I not recognize that God has given me the opportunity to earn it? Number two, am I giving the same way God has given to me? The one who gave his only begotten son. Number three, am I, willing, am I willingly giving? Does it give you joy when you give? Whenever someone talks about generosity, do you bristle? Do, you, do your shoulders tighten up? Uh, do you say, this is mine? I'm going to hold on it for dear life. Man, when he talks about this stuff, this really ticks me off. I don't know about what you're going to do today at lunchtime. Maybe you're going to talk about this. Maybe you're positive, maybe you won't be. I'm not sure. I'd like to be a bug on the wall. <laughs> I, I am able to, just so you know. I do have many places bugged, just so you know. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that I'll write an email to somebody and they'll say, how did you know I was going through that? I know, okay? I know. Or do you give out of an open heart? Do you, do you really have a lot of joy when you give? Do, do I trust that if I give generously that God will take care of me in the days ahead? One pastor has said this, give until it feels good. Give until it feels good. When we have given generously, it has been a feel-good response for us. Number three, if we're willing to give, then God is willing to give us what we need to live and what we want to give. If we've been prayerful about this, not just walking in and just, you know, just kind of feeling reluctantly to give. No, you've been praying about it. You've been asking God regularly, God, what is it that you'd like for me to give to this? Well, God, I don't have that. And God will show you a way that he will be able to help you in that regard. If we're willing to give, then God is willing to give us what we need to live and what we want to give. God gives good gifts. Read that over and over in the, in, in the Bible. You know, he's a good, good father. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, says, uh, verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able. Do you believe that this morning, God is able? I don't think you do. Is God able? Yes, he is. God is able. God is willing to give us what we need to live and what we want to give. This is, but this is not health and wealth prosperity gospel. That's not what this is. If I give God 10 bucks, he's going to give me 1,000. That's not how this works. We give because we're motivated to give, not to get. That is the distinction. I'm just going to give God some seed money. I'm just going to give him this 10 bucks and I'm, I'm going to hope that he gives me my thousand back because that's what I want. Because this is mine. No, this is his. And he wants you to invest it. He wants you to be profitable in what you have. Verse 11 says, we're flipping down through there. Thomas, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Four ways generosity benefits the generous. 
four ways. The first one is that we become more like Christ when we're generous. Some of you are, are not Christ followers yet. You've been exploring. You've been kicking the tires. If I could tell you one word who Jesus is, it would be Jesus is a giver. Jesus is a giver. You look at his teaching. You look how he responds to people. He was looking always to take care of individuals, and he gave. He loved children. He gave dignity to women. He raised up their worth and dignity. Jesus gave healing to the lepers. Jesus gave forgiveness to a prostitute who other people wanted to stone to death. Whenever you practice generosity, you are more like Christ. So that's one of the benefits of being generous. The second one is, is that we guard ourselves against accumulating stuff. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have a lot of stuff. Any amens in the house this morning? We got a lot of stuff. Go look in your closets, your basement, in your attic, in your garage. Look in the shed. Some have storage units for stuff that doesn't fit in there. Generosity helps release the power of stuff in my life. Listen, this is no indictment on you. I am here. I I am one of the hoarders. Just ask my wife. One guy said that basically this is a matter of physics. The greater the mass, the greater the hold that mass asserts. Let me say that again. The greater the mass, the greater the hold that mass asserts. The more things we own, the greater their total mass, and the more they grip us, setting us in an orbit around them, and finally we don't practice generosity, and we suffer from accumulating more stuff of this black hole this stuff sucks us into to help maintain it and help keep it. Over the course of the last six to eight months, we have been releasing some of that stuff. Some of the weight is lifting. I just feel it. Less stuff. The more that it holds us, the more that it possesses us. Generosity changes that. It breaks us out of the orbit of the stuff. Number three, we generate more happiness. Lots of research on this that's been done that shows that generous people who practice this in their lifestyle are randomly more happy. Any happy people here this morning? Generates more happiness as you're generous. Third, fourth one is, is we, we get a greater sense of purpose. Some of us, you've achieved a sense of significance in the things that you've done. You're getting a little older. You've ex- I, should, I shouldn't look at anybody. It's just, you're getting a little older. And uh, the older you get, a lot of your life has been, you feel like it's been significant. But there's still something more. There's still something more. And the ultimate purpose is to, is to give. You've, you've recognized that it's not the promotion that gives you significance. It's not, not acquiring more things. It's when you practice generosity as a lifestyle. Some of you I know maybe a little bit more intimately in conversations with you, and I know that this is true for you. 
that God shows up in your life when you give away. The third thing is, generosity needs opportunity for expression. Generosity benefits the generous, and generosity points people to God. I have yet to meet a fired-up, sold-out Christian who doesn't want perhaps more than anything else for their lives to mean something. When it's all said and done, when the will is read, they want their life to stand for something more than the items that are left in the will. It will be the time that they spent with their kids. It will be the spiritual heritage that they passed on to their kids and to their grandchildren. The things, the principles that have been stamped onto those kids because you took time to speak to them about the important things of life. Generosity points people to God. That people would thank God, that people would glorify God through their acts of generosity. The most generous people that I know do not want for the accolades to come to them, but they want to deflect that to point towards God who was the one that gave them the ability to be generous in the first place. The ones who feel like this, I've made this all myself, do not get a hearing by very many people. Because it is God who's been the originator of the generosity and those people that follow God want to deflect it so that other people will know that it's God who's been the one. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only surpassing the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this, his indescribable gift. We as Christians, we as Arlington Woods Church, are generous so that other people well, thank God. We deflect this. This is not about us. You're going to hear next Saturday, if you haven't heard already, as we move in this, in this uh, Pay It Forward campaign, you're going to hear about a principle that was laid on the hearts of the leadership of this church that is something that's going to blow your mind because it blows mine. It doesn't make sense. This campaign doesn't make sense. And you're going to have to come... Saturday to find out why. Generosity makes an amazing sense. And that's what this is about. During the course of the time, over this time and over the next, encouraging you just to pray that God would lay it upon your heart. If there's anything that he wants to talk to you about in in regards to to, uh, generosity things that we talked about this morning, this great letter that was written to the Corinthians. There's no guilt. It's really about grace. There's no arm twisting. It's about your heart. We really are praying that that we would become the most generous church in this city. Wouldn't that be awesome? Not because of who we are, but because of what God is able to do. In many ways, you are a very generous church. 
God wants us to be the conduit of his blessing to others. And that moving forward as a church will take people being generous. For you personally, it may require you to find some time alone and asking God where it is that he wants for you to give. Not just of your money, but of your time. Some of us have just been sitting back on the edge and the church has moved through what we have over the last three years and we're just, we're still sitting kind of on the edge and some of us just have our toe dipped in the pool and we're just wondering, you know, where, where should I get involved or should I get involved? It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to step into the water and see that it is good. It's time. I want to encourage you in that, just as Paul was encouraging the people of Corinth. You guys have been praying about this, he said? That happened a year ago. All right, Corinth, all the other churches are excited about your giving. I now need you to know, because the boys are coming over with the offering plates. They want to know, what are you going to do with this? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. going to pray together and then we're going to sing. God, you are an extravagantly generous God. And we are asking that you would give us generous hearts. It amazes me beyond even expression that you allow for us to be part of your plan. To, to be able to, to use the resources you've given us to impact other people. Just as we sat around Rich's bed yesterday and over this course of this last week and we saw these people filing in, the people that said their lives were impacted by his life. It brings to our hearts in such a strong and powerful way that what we do and how we use the resources that you've given us makes a difference and has an impact not only for now, but all, for all of eternity. Father, I can't help but think today that there are people that are going to be in heaven because of one person's desire to follow you with what you've given to them. Their skills and their abilities... There's going to be people in heaven because they shared about Jesus to them. There are going to be people in heaven because of the resources financially that you gave to us that we didn't hold on to, but that we freely gave so that people could be fed downtown Ottawa. So that money could be given to the food bank out in the Pian. So the campus ministry could go on in Jesus' name. So that leaders could be trained in the Free Methodist Church in Canada. That Mission Aviation Fellowship individuals could could fly into countries that we'll never have the opportunity to fly into. You are transforming us. You are creating in us, in this church, a heart to give. Thank you, Father, that as a pastor, I have the privilege of being able to lead a people that want to serve you in this way. 
And it is not with condemnation that we talk about this this morning. There is no guilt or condemnation. It is all about saying, yes, Lord. This is the heartbeat of your, this is your heartbeat for us to give so that other people can hear the gospel and to know who Jesus is. Thank you that we're more like Jesus when we give. And I just pray, Father, this morning that as we have opportunity to be praying about this over the next week or two, and even today, that you'll just lay it on our hearts how it is that we can be an impact for the kingdom. And all of God's people said,